My guest today is passionate about empowering women. She's a lawyer and estate planning specialist, an author, a business owner, mentor, speaker, and advocate and podcaster. Oh, anyone else feel like an underachiever <laughs> after experiencing a toxic work environment? She never wanted to work for anybody else again, bought a law firm and tripled it since she's purchased it. Her passion is helping women who feel disempowered or intimidated to find out about their legal rights. Her law firm is TBA Law and her podcast is called IQ Eats EQ. Please welcome Jackie Browman. Welcome to One Moment Please, the podcast where our guests take a moment to tell their stories of how they've overcome adversity to achieve success and you take a moment to tune in to bring on the inspiration. doing this no worries no worries i listened to um part one of lorraine and deb's um over the last couple of days so yeah <laughs> lorraine's the character <laughs> yeah absolutely so she's got part two as well has she <laughs> part two's full on okay. part two's more of the prison stories and don't yep. listen to it before you go to bed <laughs> oh <laughs> okay good tip <laughs> pretty full on. You're in the northern suburbs, I believe, of Melbourne. How long have you been out there for? Yeah, look, no, it's really probably country. Um, I mean, Wallen and, and Romsey are sort of on the very outer edges of Melbourne, aren't they? So I've had a, my business in Wallen for probably about close to six years and Romsey for two years. Um, but I've lived in country Victoria, you know, for most of my life. I'm originally from Wangaratta. After leaving there, I've been backwards and forwards between cities and central Victoria Mm -hmm. ever since. But weren't you Mm. moving around Australia because of you being a military wife? Yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, So, yeah, I, I suppose, look, I met my husband when I was 18. Like, we've been together forever. We've sort of grown up together. And... Yeah, I the life suited me for sure for a long time because I always had itchy feet and I was always looking for something new and a challenge. And so, yeah, we have been, it's generally every three years having a posting. So every every other posting, we've pretty much come back to central Victoria. That's interesting. Mm. I've had friends that have sort of from Perth to Toowoomba to Sydney to Melbourne, they're all over the shop. So you're lucky that you've been able to come yeah. back. Yeah, very much so. Um, the core that my husband in, is in has its school and training facility at Pakapanyal in central Victoria. So um, it's really easy to ask for a posting there. A lot of people for a long time wanted to be at the units at in Darwin or, or Townsville because you know, there was a lot of operational things happening. We had Iraq and Afghanistan. And if you weren't at one of those locations, you probably weren't getting a trip overseas. So not many people were asking to come to Pucker, but so we were happy to hmm. come. How was it starting hmm. your law business then if you were moving around every three years? I mean, that would have hmm. been quite a challenge to actually establish something. Were you practicing law at that stage? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so while I was studying, I had to go off campus and do most of it online because we'd moved away from Deakin University where I was studying. So then 
to get qualified, luckily, just as I finished my degree, we were due for a posting back to Victoria. So I did my first three years as a solicitor employed in Victoria. Um, Then we moved into state and I had to transfer because every state has a different registration. So transfer the registration to New South Wales, worked there for a little while, came back to Victoria, went back to Sydney, transferred again, came back to Victoria. And when we came back to Victoria, that was when I was like, well, I'm not going back to being an employee again. I'm going to, and there's a whole story behind that too. I'm going to start my own business. And in fact, because I'd worked in the region before, I knew quite a lot of the, you know, the people in the legal community um, and I knew of a man who was retiring. So I picked up his sole practice actually when he retired. Um, so I didn't start from scratch. I, I already had a, a base, so to speak, to start from. And yeah, there was always the risk that um, we would get posted again. However, you know, when I bought that business, you know, my husband had been in the defence force for well over 15 years and was sort of starting to think, well, what's next for him? And I was thinking, well, maybe my career can come first now. (laughs) Um, Not that I really had any detriment to my career by moving around. I think that it's added to my experience. It does make it hard though to get get an established clientele in one spot for a term business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does very much so. And then we were lucky because he he had his first three-year posting. It got an extension by one year, so that was four. And then his next posting, he actually got posted to St Kilda. So he was living down there during the week, which is not far away. So he was home every weekend or home one night during the week. St Kilda's a suburb of Melbourne, if you don't know Melbourne. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So not too far away, a couple of hours drive. And then um, last year he got posted back to Pakapanyal again. So we've been lucky to sort of have Victorian postings for eight years now. So that sort of kept his career going for longer than he may have. And again, he's thinking, well, if the next posting's more likely going to be a um, interstate posting, he'll probably look at doing something else. Hmm. And you're practicing family law or estate? Is there a difference? Yeah, there is. So um, for all those people who don't come across the legal industry much, lucky you. <laughs> I'd be one of those people, um, Jackie. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to do my wheels. I might need to hit you up after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just like medicine, you know, you have so many different specialties Um, And most of our clients are individuals, not businesses. So we don't do much work for businesses. Um, So for individuals, we do work in property law. We do work in family law, which is your separations, divorces and, you know, child arrangements. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yes, um, wills and estates, which is my specialty. So I do the estate planning stuff. So your wills and your powers of attorney and superannuation and those sort of things. And then after someone dies, I do the probate and the estate administration to to wind it all up. And your company is TBA Law? Yeah. Yeah. So anyone right. wants any of those services, I can look you up? <laughs> Absolutely. Why did you want to start your own business? What's the story behind that? You didn't want to be an employee anymore. Yeah. Um, look, To be honest, I think I always wanted to be a business owner. Um, Even sort of in my late teens, I was reading those books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Mm -hmm. and those sort of investment books. And I knew, yeah, yeah. And I knew that 
I mean, you can be an employee and have a good wage, but it's um, being an employee is not an asset that you can grow. Um, so I thought, well, I had to be a business owner. But then I suppose going into business, then the whole thing changes again. And really, as a self-employed professional, you are at risk of not owning a business asset as well, because you've just really bought yourself a job and you're working for yourself and your boss is the worst boss you've ever had. Um, So, yeah, there's that battle that I'm sort of dealing with, with all the time as well. But look, when I was working as a lawyer for other people, there was, you know, I was being pushed into areas of the law that I didn't particularly want to do Um, I probably didn't feel like I was supported enough. And then um, after I did a stint in Sydney, um, I'd had enough of family law at that stage. So I took the opportunity to work in-house as a lawyer. So in the legal industry, if you're not working in private practice, you can work for large companies as an Mm. in-house lawyer. So employed and just doing all the work for the company. So I was working... Yeah, I was working in the recycling and waste industry, actually, in Sydney. Um, And so, I mean, that gave me a lot of business experience as well and almost like project management experience because I was helping get a really large project off the ground, negotiating with um, local government and state government to get all the compliances over the line, EPA all the time and OHS things and all of that. So that was fantastic. But unfortunately, it was a very toxic work environment. And so after working there, there was no way that I wanted to work for anyone ever again. I wanted to create a workspace where I felt safe and where my staff felt safe and where my staff had the support as well that I never felt like I had as a junior lawyer. So I really did want to try and do something a little bit different um, and hopefully I've achieved that. Hmm. You're focused very much on women's empowerment within your practice. I was reading your website and your focus is very much um, empowering women and allowing them the understanding of the law. What made you take that more of a slant rather than a generalist within your area? Um, Yeah, and look, it's just the beginning really of where I'm headed with this because, um, well, firstly, I honestly think that women make most of the purchasing decisions in families Mm -hmm. and I think um, when I deal with other professionals myself, I would prefer to deal with someone that I'm comfortable with and I'm not comfortable working with old men who make me feel like I don't know what I'm talking about or that I can't ask questions and that I'm stupid. And so I don't ever want anyone to feel like that when they come to me. And I also think that um, lawyers traditionally withhold legal information, but they shouldn't. I think it's better to have well-educated clients than clients that you keep in the dark because I well I, I don't think that people generally just automatically trust professionals anymore I think you now have to earn that trust and so I suppose that's why I started going down that path but it's um, it's becoming more and more of a passion for me the longer I'm in the industry because the longer I'm in the industry the more dissatisfied I am with it to be honest and I think that 
I I get quite emotionally involved in cases where I see that something, you know, it should go a certain way because that's what a fair result would be. But the industry doesn't allow a fair result. And I so often see, and this is male and female clients, but I just feel that women, when they're faced with a legal battle, tend to give up easier sometimes because they just want it over and done with. So they give away their rights. And also I see women getting detrimental results because of the way they communicate or the way that they are perceived, which again, I think is just a horrible bias that they shouldn't have to put up with. And if they were better educated in the way that they approached the legal industry or engaged with the legal industry, they um, would just get such better outcomes and have more control. And so what you what you see with the content that I'm doing and, and trying, like I said, is just the very beginning because we're talking just before I am really starting to develop a new innovation. Fantastic. Can you tell us about it or is it too soon? Yeah. No, look, it's it's a really initial concept. So, I mean, what it might turn into might be very different, but um, it is called Legally Wise Women and it will be like a way, a curated way that women can engage with the legal industry and it's going to fill the gap where there's an access to justice issue because I think there's there's so many women who A, don't qualify for legal aid or don't feel like they can go to a community legal centre. And look, to be honest, the community legal centres don't have much funding or resources anyway. So it's that gap for women who are then scared of engaging a lawyer because they know that it's going to cost a few thousand dollars and it probably will. And so how do you get some legal information and how do you find the right lawyer and how do you try and resolve things yourself before you start spending some big bucks? And that's the gap that I'm going to try and fill. That's fantastic. I've got a mate of mine that's um, having issues and every time she has to go to court, it's five grand, five grand. And she's a single yep. mum that works part-time. It's hard. So that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that the women in that group, it, the group is just getting bigger and bigger because legal fees are too expensive for the ordinary wage. And so you end up putting it on credit cards or borrowing from family. And it's just a never ending battle to just try and fight for yourself. Um, you know, I couldn't afford to get divorced, <laughs> so I don't know how a single mum can do it. Mm. Is that is that why you started writing the books? Because a lot of the books that you've written, you've written six, yeah. uh, some of which are more empowering to women, um, which I love, and I'm actually going to get um, The Cult of Dissatisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that one is so much more of a personal one. Um, and to be honest, I don't think that I have... Um, solved that problem because I, like I'm talking about, like I'm really just dissatisfied with the way, with the industry and the way that I'm currently practicing and, and I want to do things differently. But yeah, no, I wrote, I wrote three that are purely legal guides that are in plain English. Um, you know, I think, again, one of the things that lawyers do really badly is is communicate to ordinary people. I think they either try and make themselves seem smarter by using all sorts of legal jargon or they have been in law school for so long that they think that writing has to be writing to your peers and to other lawyers rather than to your clients. So, yeah, I've got the three legal guides. Then I wrote 
the cult of dissatisfaction and um, there's another two little ebooks in there which are look a little bit of fluff to be honest but those are the four primary ones that if someone wants to get who I am those are the four that are really me. You mentioned that lawyers often withhold information to their clients why would they do that? I, I would have thought that as a client you're paying your lawyer for that information why that what would they withhold? Oh uh, no! Look, once you're a paying client, they will they will give you advice and information that you that you need. But realistically, I think that generally the industry doesn't like providing information for free because they think that people should pay for it. But there's a difference between legal information and legal advice. Um, specific legal advice for someone and the strategy around dealing with their own matter and where they sit is a very different thing from giving people legal information about how the system works and um, the options that you have. And yeah, uh, they, I think lawyers are defensive. I think that, you know, there's um, things starting to leak, eat into the legal industry with conveyances and you know, accountants giving a lot of advice around business and other people coming in that can provide legal information, not legal advice. And I think that I, I just don't see that the industry is going to survive if, if, if it's defensive. What sort of timeline are you going is Legally Wise Women on the trajectory? Uh, when are you launching, Jackie? <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard question because um, I don't know what the first thing is that I'm going to launch. You know, I've had the podcast going for a while, which is sponsored by Legally Wise Women because I've had the idea for ages. That's IQ meets EQ. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Um, but again, it's just sort of talking about, you know, how to empower women and, and what skills um, successful women have built up within themselves um, and how EQ really is important if you're going to be legally wise. So, look, I think within 12 months we're, I'm going to have a significant platform with a lot of information available. So I think watch this space. Are you going to have it as a an app as well or is it just going to be website-based initially? Or No, it will be an app. I'm looking at using um, the Mighty Networks app to, to just host post all the information so yeah it'll be on mobile too oh that's exciting mm, mm-hmm. big changes I really want to to lead a big change um, and I think now's the right time as well you know with all the disruption that is going on socially economically things have to change mm. why did you start EQ meets um, IQ meets EQ the podcast what was the catalyst for that Um, Look, the catalyst really was thinking about, well, what is Legally Wise Women going to be and how do I start talking about it and also how do I start being really vulnerable and letting people know who I am and what I stand for. And in some ways on that podcast, I am learning and growing. You know, if people listen, go back and listen from the start, um, even the, my co-host has said that I have changed over the period of time that we've been doing it so far. And I just think that learning is one of my biggest values and I'm happy to do that in a public way. It, it's just my way of being authentic. 
I think that's very brave to put yourself out there and be like, I'm still learning. This is a mode for me to be learning. I think but mm. to do that in a, a public sense is I think is a very brave thing, particularly with the culture at the moment of everyone has to have everything completely photoshopped and, mm. you know, their makeup done before they post a picture on on anything, <laughs> fake eyelashes. <laughs> There's yes. a reason why I'm not doing video content to this podcast, Jackie. <laughs> yeah. And, look, I think that people will find that when they start watching a lot of the video that I do too. Like I don't, I don't use filters and I'm not overly made up. I'm still who I am. And I think that's partly some of the values that I grew up with as well. Like I grew up believing that you're either smart or pretty, which is a little bit sad in some ways, but I don't put much value on image. I put more value on on content and intelligence and um, learning and and being of service and helping people. So, and I think again, while we're going through this current situation with the pandemic and there's so many more people being on Zoom in much more natural settings, I think people are getting over all of that overly produced sort of stuff. I think it'll be interesting, particularly from a work point of view, I think there's going to be a huge shift, more people working from home, companies not wanting to spend as much I mean, there's still going to be offices, but maybe not as big an office, you know, yeah. allowing people to work from home more. I don't know about the image thing because I think Instagram and stuff has a lot to answer for. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's right. And I think that some of those still shots um, that are actually on your, your profile page rather than the stories uh, are potentially more damaging. Um, but I also think that um, it's almost like it's it's – the lower it's the lower generation from me like it's it's the women coming through now in their 20s that I worry about for that I think some of us in our 30s and 40s are sort of like eh well you know <laughs> we're maybe things a to worry bit. about <laughs> yeah exactly that's right <laughs> yeah where can people find your video content is it youtube or have you got it on instagram or yeah there is a youtube channel um it's under tba law um there are a whole lot of links on our TBA Law website to all the webinars I've done. There's a webinar page there. Or on the TBA Law Facebook page, I do do a Facebook Live every Monday. And so there's a whole, like there's over two years worth of videos on the video page on, on Facebook there. So heaps of stuff. And is that if more anyone wants targeted to. towards the legal, yeah. legal information? Okay. So if someone's wanting information now to sort of mm-hmm. see where do I where do I start? I've, I'm I'm in a bit of a, a bind and needing some information. Facebook's yep. a, your Facebook, the TBA Law Facebook's the best yep. one. Yep, it is. Okay. It is. Troll through all the videos there, or I mean, YouTube's pretty much the same, isn't it? Like mm. you just flick through all the um, videos. I think on YouTube we've sl- tried to put them in some playlists. But YouTube's just such a huge beast. Facebook's where all the live stuff is. You've got two offices now. What Are you planning on growing your physical offices as well as the Legally Wise Women or is it more the focus going to shift towards the Legally Wise Women? Um, yeah, look, I don't think TBA Law needs too much more of a physical base. We have two of our own offices and then we've got three spaces that are in serviced offices 
Um, so that sort of covers central Victoria and Melbourne. But yeah, you're right, people need to come into us less and less and we can do more online now and people are more ta- are taking that up readily. So yeah, my focus is shifting to Legally Wise Women, which will be national um, and won't have a physical base. It won't, it won't need one. So yeah, TBA law, I'm really just consolidating and I'll only get change a space if I have an issue with one of the shared spaces I think it's I suppose in some respects being in the country there are a lot of people that still want to have at least an initial contact with you Mm. um, an initial face-to-face and then they're happy once they've met you that way to do things remotely so I don't want to completely give away the physical space but you know, again, after the pandemic, so many of my staff are, you know, working at home in shifts and just rotating through that. I don't think that we'll ever all be back in the office at one time. I don't think there's a need for it. Yeah, maybe we'll end up having less office space. So with it being national, the app Mm -hmm. and the Legally Wise, Mm -hmm. does that mean you have to register in every state and territory in Australia? Um, no, because I won't be providing legal advice through Legally Wise Women. It will be legal information and uh, um, and and services that way. So it won't be one-on-one advice. Okay, fantastic. Mm. Well, TBA Law, that's where they can find you. And there's yep. also um, your website as well, Jackie Browman. And yeah. Yeah, that's just JackieBrowman.com. And I'll put the link in the um, stuff. The notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning the yeah. whole podcast thing. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, You're learning Jackie, out loud too. <laughs> I am. <laughs> You've empowered me as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for taking a moment to listen, everyone. We hope this episode inspired you as much as it did us. If you know somebody who also needs a little inspiration, then please share this podcast with them. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast app and rate and review us because that helps inspire us to keep making them. 